Design New Podcast, Episode 46. Hi guys, it's Tina Murray here and welcome to the Design New Podcast. I've been working for a year or so now with the Africa Sunrise Foundation and we work with schools to help educate kids. But there's a bigger point for this um, and why I became very involved is because most of the schools that we work with don't have toilets. And this affects education in more ways than you would ever, ever have imagined. So for instance, at one of the schools where there is someone in the community who will let the students use their toilet, The teacher has to leave the classroom with a child every time they need to go to the bathroom. So it means one child going to the toilet is leaving 29 kids unattended in a classroom. And so imagine if this keeps happening throughout the day, the long-term effects that has on the education levels of some of those kids in that classroom. I'm also really passionate about it because unfortunately menstruating girls often won't attend school because they've got nowhere to change for that week a month when they have their period. So imagine that, missing a quarter of your schooling and the long-term implications of that. So I support Africa Sunrise Foundation. I go out and speak about it. If you would like me on your show or to come to your community to have a chat with you about it, I would love to do that. And also, please jump on our Facebook page. It's Africa Sunrise Foundation and like and support us so you can see the good work that we're doing to bring education to kids in Ghana. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Hi guys, Tina Murray here. Today I'm welcoming to the drawing board Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Sandra is an author, a speaker, and a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing in Alabama. She is a national and international media resource on the mind-body-spirit connection and the author of a number of books, including Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, and Restore Your Sanity, which includes groundbreaking insight on the seven types of rest that we need to optimize our productivity and increase our overall happiness so we can live our best life. She has shared her tips on merging faith and medicine with over 16,000 health care professionals to encourage the current and next generation of doctors to treat the whole person. Join me as I chat with Sandra about our own sacred rest. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to the Design You podcast. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. Now, tell me, what are you doing right now to design your best life? What I do is I'm working on trying to make sure that I'm getting the type of rest that I need. Mm. A few years ago, I burned out and I got to the point where I just didn't have any energy, didn't have any happiness or joy. And so it really took a journey for me to go kind of to that lowest place possible to understand that I just couldn't keep pushing myself. Mm. And how often do we all do that? If I hear one more person say busy, I think I'm going to scream. We seem to think Being busy is this fantastic mantle, but I don't see it that way at all. How do you feel about this busyness we seem to create for ourselves? I think honestly, it's it's designing a life we don't really want Mm. because what I ended up happening with me is, you know, I had this career that I'd been working towards, um, schooling. And so everything was building up to getting this degree. And then once I got my medical degree, 
you know, you, you have this image of what all of that's going to look like and, and how your life will be. Well, it wasn't anything like that because in my building up to get the degree, I kind of started putting everything else aside, happiness, joy, peace, family, all of those things that really make life worth living. And so I ended up with a degree, with the house, with the car, with all those things. And I didn't have a lot of the substance that I really wanted in a quality, in a high quality life. Mm. And I think so often we forget what a high quality life is like what those little things you're talking about. It's not the objects. I mean, I've, you know, that it's often reported that people say on their deathbed, it's not the man of hours that they work, that they, you know, it's, we actually are looking for our connections with people and what really makes us zing. Absolutely. And that's really where I started looking at, because one thing I kept saying was I'm tired all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, people would be like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm exhausted all the time. And, you know, the number one thing I was thinking that I needed was probably more sleep because I really wasn't getting a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But even when I made a point of, okay, well, I'm going to rest more and that I'm going to sleep more, I still felt tired all the time. And so for me, it started uh, of this process of really kind of discovering how do I restore myself in a way that every part of me that I feel is important gets um, replenished. And so that's when I started looking at, okay, well, it's not just the physical, you know, there's that mental aspect, the emotional, and then it divided up into these uh, seven areas that, that I really felt were key for me getting to the level of having the life that I really wanted. Well, seven areas sounds like a lot, like that sounds overwhelming. Oh my God, do I need to do all of these things to feel free to replenish? Number one, what are the seven areas? And then do we need to hit all of those? Because I imagine it's a little bit hard to do seven things in our busy lives. Absolutely. And that's the thing. All seven are active in our lives. And those seven are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, sensory, and then creative. So every aspect of that has a part in the life that we're designing. So whether we are intentional about it or not, those are things that are functional in our life. And so for most people, what I found, and even for myself, it wasn't that I was depleted in all seven areas equally. Mm-hmm. There were one or two that were really the key areas that, that were really bringing my life down. And for me, they were social rest and emotional rest. And my life is such that I was spending a lot of time with people. You know, my career requires me to be around people. That's how medicine works. <laughs> so I was with a lot of people all the time, but I really didn't have the liberty to be fully authentic in that role because I can't show up with my personality, which tends to be kind of to tell jokes and to be funny. I can't show up with that in the emergency room of the ICU and people are dying. Sure. So you had, there's a level of inauthenticity or, you know, we call it professionalism, but you know, that there's a, there's a pull or a weight that goes with that, a stress. Mm-hmm. And so I needed a time where I was making an effort to be with people that I could be completely authentic with, that I could tell that joke and they would get it, even if it came at an inappropriate time, just that time to just really be real. And so that's one thing that I'd really put aside, that I really didn't have time for friends and to hang out and didn't see the value in that. And I didn't realize how much it was actually depleting my life in every other area because there was such a sinkhole in that emotional and social aspect. And with most of us, obviously assuming that there would be this lack of balance in certain areas, do we often find that it's the same areas all the time for us, that there's a couple of default ones, or does it flip around depending on where we're at and what's happening in our life? 
I think that's a great question because I, I think some people are under the interpretation that, oh, well, you know, I'm, I may be kind of predisposed to be more likely to be deficient in certain areas. And certain careers do kind of prompt you to be um, drained in more areas, but it does change. Just as seasons of life change, it changes with those those seasons. You know, right now, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you know, you may be getting pulled physically and that you have little hands touching you all day and you're hearing high-pitched noise from screaming babies. And so your senses are getting overwhelmed. Whereas, you know, in 15 years when they're in college, you may be getting pulled on the emotional and the, <laughs> the other aspects of it of dealing with the teenager. So it's con- it is constantly changing. And, you know, for my patients and even for myself, what I started to do was really assess. And I, I started to assess how do I identify which of these is the one I need to focus on? Because like you said, you, who has time to focus on all seven all the time? Mm. But if you're able to identify, this is the one, you know, when you start feeling drained, rather than saying, I just need more sleep, which oft, often isn't the, you know, the, the main issue. Sleep is just like one part of physical rest. It's not even <laughs> the whole thing. Okay. But if you just focus on that, then you're missing out on all these other ones. And oftentimes it's one of them that's pulling you down because you're, you're ignoring it or not even aware of it. Mm, it's, isn't it interesting? It's that one bad apple that actually is creating the, the depletion. Mm-hmm. It's the depletion that you're sensing because yes. that's the thing. And so often, you know, people will come into my medical practice and they'll say, you know, I'm tired all the time. Do some tests. My thyroid must be out or my adrenal glands are low or, or they think there's some huge medical issue that's going on. And so, you know, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. So we end up doing tests and all the tests are normal, but they know something's off. They know that they feel bad. They know that they are not fully energized. They're their ability to concentrate is not where it's at. Their body's stressed or tense. So they know something's off. They just can't pinpoint it. And I think that's that's what I love so much about kind of how this has evolved with my own medical practice is because I'm getting all of these people getting referred to me now about um, really taking my rest quiz, which is free, but they're coming in because they're wanting to have kind of this personal assessment mm-hmm. of help me identify which of these seven I need to focus on and then help give me some tips on being able to actually recover in that area to actually Mm. move forward. So I don't know, last time I went to the doctor, I don't go there very often, but I didn't have much time in that practice with them. (laughs) How do you manage to help people in, in your practice or do you take that further with them and suggest well, what I do is I honestly, my practice, I allow for more time than most medical practices. Okay. I believe in what's called functional medicine. It's a, a practice of medicine that's not just about popping pills on people. When I went into medicine, I didn't go into it with just that mindset. My thinking was, is that medicine and being a physician is it's no different than being a teacher. Um, I teach people how to help their body be its best. Mm-hmm. That's why my, my website is called I Choose My Best Life. I believe it's the choices we make toward better. And so just giving people prescriptions or diagnosing problems, you know, that's helpful. That's part of the process, but that is not what true preventative functional medicine looks like. It's helping people kind of get the tools and then be able to come up with a plan that doesn't require pills to try to resolve things if possible. Yes, medicines are required at times, but every problem doesn't require a prescription. Yeah. And what is it that most of us can be doing to be able to thrive more in our lives? 
I think one of the, the first things I usually have most of my patients do, especially if they come in and they say, you know, I just don't feel like my life's at the, the highest level, that is not at its most prosperous and thriving level. The first thing I have them do is I have them tell me where they feel like there's a depletion. Okay. And for a lot of them, I have them visit restquiz.com, take the quiz, find out what their numbers are and kind of get an idea for, for exactly where they feel like they're having a deficit. Some people are actually able to tell me. You know, I just, I don't feel like I'm connected to someone, which is more of a social, or I don't feel like I'm understood, which is more of an emotional, or, you know, I feel like my nerves are frazzled, which is more of a sensory. So sometimes people actually will say it. They may not know what the term is or kind of how to, how to quantify it, but they know what it is they feel that's off. And then we kind of start addressing that. Well, now how do we restore that? Because really when I look at it, I, I help people understand that really rest is about restoration. And oftentimes what people say that they're doing when they're going to rest on the weekend, they're just ceasing work, but they're not doing something that's restorative. Yes. And if it's not restorative, then it's not really rest because it's supposed to really, when you leave a restful situation, you should leave that situation better than how you entered in. Mm. And if you don't, because you've just vegged out, you know, to watch Netflix or something, you know, I have a problem with vegging out and watching Netflix, but that's not really rest if you didn't leave there restored. Yeah. So it's a bit like going, taking a little holiday for yourself all the time. So as we go on holiday and we're burnt out and we come back completely restored, ideally. So it's about doing that every week, every day. Yes. To make it a lifestyle. Because honestly, most people, when they go on holiday, what ends up happening is they don't go to do, to be in a restful situation. They go to have fun. Mm. And so they're doing work. They're just doing work in a different location <laughs> and it's fun. So that's great, but oftentimes they'll come back and they're still tired. Sure. They still don't feel energized. They still don't feel as if they've rested. And so that's the thing when you're when you're intentional about restoring something. Then when you go to the beach, you would make that time to mm. actually make sure. Okay, what's what is the issue that feels depleted today? Let me work on restoring that today. Mm. Well, let's talk about time because often we don't make time for things unless it's important or seemingly important on the outside. How do you, what do you come up against when you're speaking to your patients about time? Cause I'm sure they go, but I don't have time to do that. Everybody <laughs> says they don't have time for things, but then they have time for all this other stuff. So, <laughs> so I we really start talking about boundaries. Okay. And, and, for, and not being that kind of go-to person for everybody that they know. I think we all have that person that you feel like you can call them at the last minute and they'll just drop everything and help you out. We love that person. <laughs> that person has no boundaries and you don't want to be that person <laughs> because really you will become stressed out because you're constantly being pulled in every direction, but you're never allowing yourself to kind of let people know what to expect, mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes you're going to say no. And so I, one of the big things that a lot of people end up having to learn is how to give an honest no rather than a reluctant yes, mm. because that reluctant yes over time is going to build up re re frustrations, regret, um, a lot of hostility oftentimes in relationships where we start feeling used and, and not appreciated. So it really doesn't benefit anyone. A lot of times we're trying to avoid confrontations with our boundaries and really, by definitions, boundaries must have confrontation. That's how they work. So there has to be confrontation. But we have to be at the point where we understand that we're not being confrontational to be, uh, to be kind of argumentative. We're doing it so that we can thrive and be our best self. 
Mm. And being a lot of what you're talking about is really knowing yourself from the inside out. Being your best self is about understanding who you are and what those boundaries are. And Mm. if you know yourself well, do you feel that it's easier then to be able to put those boundaries up because you understand why you're doing them? Yes. And I I think that's important because so often people do have loose boundaries because they don't know themselves. Mm. So they let other people kind of imply who they are. Oh, you're great at this. So you should definitely be the one who takes on this project. When it might be a project you absolutely hate, you don't care anything about whatever that is that they're Mm. talking about. And so if you don't know yourself and you don't know your likes and dislikes and you haven't really established um, your own priorities, really, what's important to you and what you want to accomplish, then it's very easy to take up these different things that just occupy time without being beneficial to us, that really don't meet a core need, doesn't align with our core values. They don't help us get to where we're trying to be. It just becomes more work in an already overwhelmed schedule. Mm. So some people listening to this might be thinking, well, that sounds a bit selfish if I'm only looking after my own values. What's, what's your take on that? Absolutely. It's selfish. And it should be because there's uh, the only way for you to be at your best is to focus on first making yourself the best so that you can give your best to others. Mm -hmm. Because so often we say that self-care and doing these kind of things is selfish, but it has to be. You cannot give your best unless you put your best first. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is with a lot of people is that they keep pouring out of this depleted state. And so they're, they're producing, but what they're producing is not their best. And then they start getting, getting kind of, Uh, upset with themselves because they're not enjoying and they're not liking what they're putting out. Mm. But the only way to do that is to, if you want to produce your best and to give your best to others, you have to bring that. And that requires actually doing the work, which is the self-care to be able to get to that point. One of the seven things you spoke about was creativity. And I know a lot of people don't think that they're creative. You know, the you know, typical example, an accountant might say, I'm not creative. So what does creativity mean for as a generalization for people? Well, and, and when I speak about it, I'm talking about creative rest. Okay. And creative rest is actually, each one of those is a type of rest. So creative rest is a type of rest where you're not trying to create. That's creative work. Uh, Creative rest is when you're actually benefiting, you're being restored from creation, whether that is natural creation or man-made. It's a sense, if you've ever had um, someone say that when they go into an art gallery, they just get this great peace over them, or if they're listening to a symphony or uh, some type of music, and they're like, oh, it's just theater, things like that. And they're just like, oh, when I'm in that setting, I just, you know, I just, I feel great. I, I feel uplifted. I feel motivated. I feel encouraged. Or when they're out at the beach, a lot of people have that sense when they're around bodies of water or when they're Mm -hmm. seeing something beautiful like the Grand Canyon or, you know, something like that. What happens and what they found is that in the brain, there's actually a change that you can see on MRIs when people are around beauty, like bodies of water or natural beauty and things like that. And what ends up happening is that restorative feel, that awe and wonder that comes from beauty, we, we put it as an extra, as if it's not required. But that's what we're hotwired for. We are hotwired to appreciate beauty. And we see it at times and we, we no longer appreciate it. We just assume that it's there and just kind of keep moving. And what happens is 
we start feeling like life has no meaning, things have no purpose, everything starts becoming mundane because you lose your ability to appreciate beauty and to get to that point of having awe and wonder awakened inside of you. Wow. Okay. So tell us, how do we get in touch with you? How do we know more about this rest quiz that you've got? Tell us some more. Um, well, the rest quiz is very easy. It's, it's at restquiz.com. And it's about 70 or so questions, takes about five or 10 minutes or so. And what happens at the end of it, you get an assessment that lets you know which of the seven you're most susceptible to. And that kind of helps focus where your your time is. So if you have limited time, you don't want to try to do all seven types of rest. Some of them you're already going to be excelling at naturally. And then there's usually one or two that you're probably going to have a hard time with. So those are the ones that you would focus on. And my main website is I choose my And that's where you can learn more about my book, Sacred Rest. And that's where all the rest quiz and the tips and all the different things are discussed. So tell us more about your book. So it's Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And really, it's my story. It starts off, it starts off with me on the floor with my dog licking my face after oh. I kind of passed out with my kids watching TV oh. um, with, from just physical exhaustion just getting to that point of being at the end of myself and not having anything else to to give and the journey that I took, just learning how to daily live a lifestyle of rest, learning how to put myself first because I'd gotten to the point where everybody else was more important. Mm. And so I I felt like self-care was selfish and it, it really took that lesson of learning that we call it selfish and we make that sound like a bad thing but when I'm doing that, I'm not doing it to, to take away from anyone. I'm doing it because I cannot give my best unless I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. I want to give my family my best. I want to give myself my best. And I want to give the world my best. And so I don't want to show up tired, exhausted, and lacking energy. I want to show up able to do it all and do it with a smile on my face. And mm-hmm. doing it all includes having time to rest. Mm, having time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so question I ask all of my guests, in 50 years' time, where would you see yourself? 50 years? Wow, I'd be old. <laughs> so, um, 50 years' time, I'd be 95 at that point. So honestly, I would hope to be playing with great grandbabies, <laughs> having energy, having great energy, multiple books already on the, you know, on the shelves and out. And at that point in my life where I'm looking back with no regrets. Mm. Yes, that no regrets. Do you think having that belief, that want for yourself can really change the way you live your life every day? It does, because when I'm really in order to be able to live a lifestyle of rest and to practice what I teach people, I have to say no to things. I've said no to book contracts and people are like, how can you do that? It's because I know what's important to me. I know what my priorities are. I don't see any opportunity as being the only one. Mm. Every opportunity has another one behind it. And so when you're looking at life as if it's an ongoing opportunity, you never allow yourself to be pulled down a road that is not in alignment with what you're needing in that moment. That is so wise. I hope the whole world hears just that part, apart from the rest, which is so important. But just the fact that if you know yourself, you have opportunities to be able to do exactly what it is you want. You can find them. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
And you, don't, and you don't hold on to every one of them so tightly as if it's the last one. And I think that sometimes gets very dangerous because you may feel like this is just not the right time for something, but it may be something you've wanted all your life. But if it's not the right time, it's just going to stress you out. Mm. So sometimes you have to be willing to walk away from good because you know better is down the road. Yes. So talk to us a bit more about stress. Well, that's the thing. Stress is such a such one of those wide terms, you know, as far as people often say, you know, I feel stressed out. And so stressed out. I mean, what does that mean? It's like, what exactly is stressed out? What, what is it that you're feeling? And I think so often what we're feeling is just that overload of cortisol that our body has. We're going to get kind of more biochemical, but that overload of cortisol, because for one person stressed out might be tense muscles. For another person, that might be an inability to sleep because they lay down and all these hormones are going around and they can't unwind. For someone else, it might be that they're chronically anxious. You know, they're having maybe even panic attacks at times that they can't explain. Mm -hmm. And so our bodies respond, you know, to that fight or flight response in different ways. And it really depends on just the level of that stress hormone, how quickly it gets introduced into the, the bloodstream and how our body responds to it. So some people say, well, I don't feel stressed, but they're under what we call chronic stress, chronic elevated cortisol levels. So they're chronically living a stressful life. And that's why I really feel like, you know, rest can't be this isolated thing you just do on the weekends. It really has to be a lifestyle where you're thinking about, am, am I stressed out sitting at my computer working? Are my shoulders tight? Do I need to do a quick self-massage to relax the muscles? Or do I need to unclench my jaws because I'm holding tension in my face? Mm. Um, just these small things that oftentimes are, are not something we're actively thinking about. But when someone brings it to your attention, then you're thinking, oh, I am clenching my jaw. <laughs> or I, my, my face is all crunched up because I'm stressed out. Or, you know, or my... Um, my shoulders do feel tight. Or one of the things that I think so often I hear people say is that, you know, I've never, especially about sensory rest, is that they never really think about how their surroundings, the sounds, the noises, the smells, how it affects how they feel. Mm. Because, you know, it's just, it's just your office place. But if your office place has a constant hum, because there's background noise going on, then that's causing constant stress in your body. And so knowing that, then it's easier to think, okay, on my drive home, let me drive home in silence so that I can kind of clear the slate, clear my sensory slate and allow myself to kind of get back to ground zero. Mm. And a lot of us spend eight hours a day, at least on the computer. I assume that has a big, big effect on us. How can we, we obviously can't stop looking at the computer. What can we do while we're sitting at the computer to help us with the stress that that's creating? Yeah, one one really simple thing is just to close your eyes. Um, so, so often people say, well, you know, I, I have a eight to five job that I'm on my computer all day. I can't just stop or get up every time. Closing your eyes for just a couple of minutes completely relaxes the facial muscles. And plus you get like a few moments of sensory rest because you then you're not staring at the screen. Something so simple that can just have an immediate effect on how you feel. Mm-hmm. For other people, using what we call um, body fluidity, which is basically not allowing your body to stay in the same position for long periods of time. So you're sitting there and you're typing away, and it, just to have like a, a, a set schedule where maybe every hour on the hour or every 90 minutes, you kind of come up with what works for you and your body and your lifestyle. But to let's say if we're going to do a 90 minute 
flow break cycle and we're going to do body fluidity activity. So at every 90 minute interval, you may have like a notification that pops up because if you're going to have your electronics, at least make them work for you. <laughs> not against you. And so it blings a little something that tells you stand up. So you stand up and you may go to the refrigerator or something and get a bottle of water, but some way of moving your body so that the, the circulation in the legs, the lymphatics, they all get activated quickly to get everything pumping around and moving. You, most of the world's dehydrated. So getting a bottle of water is a good idea. So that gets you up and out of the chair. And then you come back and 90 minutes later, you do the th- same thing, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of what most people do. They sit down for four hours. They, they grind it out, yep. do their work. They, they're going to push through. And then when they get up, they wonder why their legs are swelling or why their calves are cramped or why they're having this, all this extra tension in the body. And it's really because they haven't practiced just basic body fluidity. Wow. Okay. So if you were going to leave some advice for the Design New listeners, what would it be? Determine what type of rest you need and then make a point of getting it. Because if once you determine what type you need, then that feeling of just being chronically depleted, that kind of overwhelmed feeling that most of the world lives under, you, bec- you come out from under that because you will start having the ability to leave each day feeling well rested. And when you feel that, that's when you're able to actually spend the time designing your life. Because so often the things that we need to do to design the life we want, we don't feel like we have the energy to do it. Mm. And once you have the energy to do it, then things don't seem so overwhelming. Mm. And then there's no stopping us. Absolutely. <laughs> You've been amazing to talk to. Thank you so much, Sandra. I've really appreciated it. And there's, I'd love people to jump on and do your rest quiz and really explore this more. Oh, it's great talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in, and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.